Hello and welcome to this episode of the Get Your Film Fix podcast. I am Sir Lee Carlo, joined by the squire Chapin Hemingway to discuss another Ridley Scott film, The Last Duel. Jeremy's not with us again. He's not working. He was actually attending a wedding, so he was unable to uh, catch the film and join us for the podcast. However, while unconfirmed, uh, rumor has it he will be joining us on the next podcast for The Power of the Dog. But fittingly, we got in another Ridley Scott film after reviewing House of Gucci on the last episode. I'm glad we were able to do this, Chapin. Uh, we'll take a look at The Last Duel, and maybe we'll have some tie-in discussions uh, again on Ridley Scott and his two films released this year. There is only one question that matters. Do you swear on your life that what you say is true? My father told me my life would be blessed with good fortune. I'm married. I was a good wife. And then was judged and shamed by my country. I say before all of you, I spoke the truth. All right, Chapin, I brought up the idea, well, I guess rather you brought up the idea on the House of Gucci podcast that Ridley Scott may not be an auteur. And I thought that was a very interesting point because he dabbles in so many different genres. It's hard to find a through line in all of his films to uh, correctly label him that. But I had the thought that maybe a director could be an auteur within a certain genre, even if they move in and out of it. And so with The Last Duel, we have something, I think, that is more in line with what perhaps we would consider Ridley Scott's avenue towards auteurship. Um, you know, it's it's most comparable, of course, to something like Gladiator, but it is a period film. It's an epic. Uh, it's long. It's star-studded. And I wonder if you want to uh, amend your thoughts on Ridley Scott as an auteur after having seen this. And maybe maybe there is something there in the idea that you can be an auteur within a certain genre. I don't I don't want to. Okay. That's it. That's it. Okay. You got to come so, up with something better than that, I hope. Well, I thought that that would lead into kind of what Ridley Scott does well in these types of movies. You know, we we were relatively critical, relatively. I think we were quite critical of Gladiator when we revisited that last year. Was that last year? Yeah. Because that was 2000's Best 2020, Picture. 2020, yeah. Um, we were quite, quite critical of that movie. But I think we, you know, could to a certain extent admire some of the visionary aspects of it, even if I think we once said he maybe phoned it in a little bit on that movie. Uh, on but Gladiator. Really Scott, on Gladiator. I mean, huh. it's, I, I think we said that kind of in comparison to Braveheart. Um, but... Huh. What is it about these types of movies that you think Ridley Scott does well? Well, um, I mean, it's 
it's hard to, uh, that's a great question. Um, look, I, I think there's, there's something cool about the way he fill. He's just like the master of, of medieval stuff, you know? He's like the gold standard for that that kind of stuff. The sort of the but he hasn't done it as much as I think we think. Well, I mean, I, Gladiator, Kingdom of Heaven, I guess. Gladiator, Kingdom of Heaven, Robin Hood. Robin Hood is kind of in that era. This is there anything else? I don't think so. It feels like he's done it a lot more. He did fourteen ninety two, which I haven't seen, but like I guess I guess just just like a, a, a sense of scale. Oh, he did gods and gods and kings too, right? Uh, the Moses movie. A sense of scale, I think tying like production design together, um, how to shoot those things. Um, yeah, I, I think he's great at that. Um, he's clearly got good people, but he's also that's what we know about about Ridley Scott is he's a visionary. He's a guy who draws like everything. Yeah. Every time you see him behind the scenes, he's drawing something, and I think he's got a great eye. And I think. You know, I I kind of was critical of him last week because you know I mean I compared him to Kubrick, which is probably unfair, but um, you know, like he like I just sometimes I just feel like his movies are you know he shoots with four cameras often, and I mean that's not an exaggeration. Like I watched the did you watch the behind the scenes because we had to buy this movie? Oh, I haven't yet. I I know they're, I got some, I got they're them, really but... good. They're really good. I think directed by some family member of his. Um, and you know, literally there's four cameras going almost all the time. And you know, that, that's sort of the opposite of Kubrick where, you know, the one camera with the one camera sees moving everything around it, but he's got a vision for all of this stuff and he's able to capture, you know, the chaos of battle, the sort of beauty in all of this in this time, but also they also, it also feels very gritty and also very real. Um, and I, so I think he does that very, very well. I, I, I don't know that that's universal. I don't know. That's like, I, you know, last time we watched gladiator, I don't think we found that to be the case, but that's really what I found about this movie. Yeah. I think it takes a certain skill to be able to operate four cameras. Like I think to the layman, you'd think like, Oh, that should make things easier. Right. You're capturing all these things and every, you know, every lane, I, and not to insult them, but every layman is obsessed with continuity and you're like, Oh, you'd be able to get all the continuity in place. And, but Scott, like you said, like storyboards and has a vision of his movies and draws it all out and then can put cameras in place to kind of replicate those visions. And, you know, I was a little critical of, of house of Gucci in that regard, because it it didn't seem like he maybe had that total vision in mind. Can Um, I I add something? Sure. House of Gucci aside, although I thought, there were two. I think Scott's a great director of performances. Yeah, I think continually, that's a consistent thing. He's able to get great actors to be in his movies. He's well respected, but also he's. I think he's a great director of of actors. And I mean, I you know, I just just finished watching the special features where I was admiring how how sort of clear and um, attentive he he was to actors. But you know, you don't. If you read that book um, that I love, that I can't recommend more, um, Future Noir, The Making of Blade Runner, he, you know, it's like his third film. He's he's not super comfortable with actors at that point. Like, he's not, um, I think, I'm pretty sure that's the case. He's You know, he didn't have a ton of 
you know, in a, he's more worried about the visuals. And I think, you know, in, you know, 40, 50 years later, yeah, he's very comfortable directing actors. And, um, I think he's good at casting too. I think, you know, he's, and, uh, unlike some people who, who, uh, sort of, uh, hitch their wagon to certain stars. I think his collaborations with actors over multiple films are, are quite fruitful. Like I think like his work with, um, uh, camera, uh, Russell Crowe is quite yeah. good for better um, or worse in terms of the movies, but like very successful partnership. Yeah. And I think, <clears throat> I think he, you know, we talked a little bit about this with Ron Howard. I think he knows how to film performances too. Um, you know, well, th- like Maximus doesn't, uh, despite what we had to say about gladiator, Maximus doesn't feel lost in the Coliseum. He, you know, um, I mean, I think this movie has four pretty great performances at the heart of it. And it's really all about that. Those movies. Um, I don't know. Do you want to get into it more? Well, yeah. So, cause I, I actually don't want to beat around the bush too much because I'm, I'm excited to hear your thoughts on this movie. Um, we just came off house of Gucci. I think you liked it a little more than I did, but ultimately mixed. Um, Definitely. maybe, a li- maybe a little disappointing. Um, House of Gucci was was my more anticipated Scott film of the year. Sure, uh, but here we go. Last duel. Give give me your give me your thoughts. Let's just dive in head I, first. I, I loved it. I thought it was oh, great. Yes, I so loved good. it. Um, yep. Just an incredibly impeccably made movie. A great script by Matt Damon. Really, uh, really good. Ben Affleck and what's the lady's name? <laughs> Nicole Holofence. It's a fun. It's a hard name to say. Holof Holofcen Holof Center. Hall of Center. Yeah. Um, those three wrote a great script. I think this movie is, you know, a little long. But besides that, I thought it was really, 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 really well done. You've got this great drama that's, you know, sort of structured like Rashomon. You've got these three perspectives. You hear Matt Damon See, as... Similar plot is Rashomon, too, kind yeah. of. Yeah. Matt Damon as the husband. Uh, then you hear Adam Driver as the you know, alleged rapist. And then you hear Jodie Cober's character as the victim. And I don't know. That's, it's such an interesting, I mean, honestly, it works better for me here than it did in Rashomon. It's really, really smart. I, so did you know about the structure going into I this I did movie? not. No, I, I didn't. had no idea. So no. the first, it's broken up into three chapters. Uh, Matt Damon plays Sir Sir Jean, and it opens with his, the the truth according to Sir Jean, right? And then chapter two is is the the truth according to Jacques, who is Adam Driver. Then the truth according to Marguerite, who is Jodie Comer. That first chapter was really a lot. You had a lot of early setup who these characters are, moving very very quickly, like spanning years in over the course of like a cut, and. I was like, huh, I, what, what, what is happening here? Like, this doesn't, this is not getting me. And then chapter two hit literally the title card for chapter two. When you learn what the structure of this movie is. Right. And I was in hook, line and sinker. I never looked back. I had, this but you movie knew had that me. was coming. You must have known that was I coming. I did not. I had no I idea. I mean, after the first chapter. I did. But like, you know, you see that the truth according to Sir John and it just, it didn't. 
it just didn't register to me immediately that we were going to see the multiple perspectives Rashomon style. And so I wasn't sell I wasn't selling the movie. I wasn't out on it, but I was kind of like, man, this is weird how they're how they're handling the timeline. Everything's moving very very quickly. You know, we're only kind of getting a glimpse at things. Do we really need to see all this? And then you learn why and you get these perspective changes and it just like like Rashomon, just these tiny little details that change and man, I was hooked. And I just think like the combination of the structure, the writing, the the character development and not so much in Damon and Driver and Comer, but like Ben Affleck, like him and the very small part played by Alex Lothar as King Charles, like the difference between how serious Sir Jean and Jacques take their positions and how like not serious the royalty does (laughs) was so perfect. I just thought there was such a nice tone in this movie and it it just hooks you by wanting to see how these perspectives are going to change your opinions of the characters. And I loved that. Yeah. And I, I also want to give some credit to the direction here. Like there, there's these, so just for those who haven't seen the movie and I, and I, I apologize if we spoil something for you and I hope you'll go see it or rent it or whatever. Um, Right now you can buy it. You can um, buy it, yeah. For $20. On, or, on you know, come over to one of our houses and watch it, you know, save yourself some money. <laughs> yeah. Um, but Yeah, why we don't share uh, these movies that we buy or rent, I'm not sure. I don't know. Um, y- you see a lot of scenes a, a bunch of different ways, right? So there's the first meeting of Jodie Comer's character and Adam Driver, um, which we which we see three times. That's kind of the sort of the... Mm-hmm. the uh, important moments in all three stories. Um, and, you know, in the first one, Matt David's character looks like the hero and is but, the bigger man. Mm-hmm. In the second one, Jody Comer, I fucks the shit out of Adam Driver. Yeah. But, like, these then, differences are very minor. Like, yeah, no, so no, exactly. That's what I was going to say. Is like the, 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 there's a, so much subtlety. And, but you, you, I think you know to look. I think the, the benefit of the chapter is that you know to look for it. You once it yeah, once the movie yeah. sets up for for you what this is going to be, which I feel like I knew from the first title card. Um, you know to look for these things, like what's different here. And there's this, I the, the, just for some reason this one shot came out to me. So you've got the first, arguably the longest chapter because you you as you said it's setting up everything. It's Matt Damon's perspective, and everything is very. Um, you know their their romance is very important and and yeah, and, but it's r- super rushed. Like yeah, it's rushed. They but, like see each other, then they're married, then they're yeah, it's like really quick. So he's talking about the the land uh, in 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 the Matt Damon story. He's talking about the land he's going to get by marrying Jodie Comer's character, and he looks up at her and she's sort of sitting on the ground and like petting these dogs. And she's like, gives him this like nice little smile. Um, and it's just such, and it was, it's a wide shot. And you know, you might have to have a 4k TV to see the actual, <laughs> what, a, what a humble brag. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you, that wasn't even a ver- humble brag. That was just a brag. <laughs> it's the brag. It's, it's very subtle that way. And it's it's just little moments like that that are peppered in that that really kind of create this nice okay without being too heavy-handed about it this is what this character sees is 
this woman smiling at him. And then when you go to Adam Driver's <laughs> character, and everything is not like... When you get to Adam Driver's character, you see something sort of similar. It's much more intentional, though, when when, when I just said, like, she, when they give a little kiss, she's, like, looking at him like something was exchanged mm-hmm. between them. And and um, there's just such little subtle moments that I think are re- extraordinarily well directed by by Scott. And, and just, like, I think it's hard to do, and it would be very easy to be too heavy-handed about it and, like, hit you over the head with it, but he doesn't. And I think that's really smart. And what I love about this is that it's it's you know we don't often talk about we talked about it in the past of course and I and you know I, I think the immediate one that comes to mind is is Sorkin and Fincher with the Social Network but just in terms of a, a very really good infusion of writing and directing so yeah. everything that you just talked about with those subtleties and those little things that the camera captures that make each one of these perspectives different works really really nicely and is very important because the script the story and each one of these perspectives the big picture actually doesn't change that much no it doesn't change like you'd expect so you know i think the the lesser version of this movie almost kind of works in reverse right where these different perspectives the story is wildly different and that's that's how we are able to tell that we're seeing something from a different perspective. But here it's here it's the story is actually staying relatively the same. The action that takes place ultimately doesn't change, but it's each character's perspective, their interpretation that makes this much more subtle and much more interesting than I think your average movie that tries to handle that multiple perspectives, you know, Rashomon technique. So I give all the credit to Scott just as you said, but I really, you know, you mentioned at the top, it's a really, really smart screenplay, really well written. And, uh, you know, that I think, I, I have to be honest, like, this movie caught me off guard. Yeah. Like, I don't want to say I wasn't expecting a good movie, but I was sort of expecting, I mean, I guess a gladiator, for lack of a better comparison. Like, just kind of Ridley Scott doing a sword and sandal movie, right. big action sequences, you know, and that's why that first opening chapter wasn't reeling me in because I was like, you know, this is kind of what we've seen before. Like, you know, yeah. I'm, uh, and it doesn't really feel all that interesting. I'm just getting interested, introduced to these characters. You know, he's a he's good in battle. He's got a friend. We know they're going to duel like it's just going to how's it going to fall apart. But then when it's revealed that you're looking at this from multiple different perspectives. It's, it's much more interesting. Um, something else smart that I think Ridley Scott did that I found to be very mature is he didn't, those battle scenes weren't long. No, and that's what I was going to say is, is the it, ultimately, I, I, I think I agree with you too. Like I, I, you go to that first battle and you're like, Oh, is this going to be more of that stuff? But they're, they're very short. They're awesome. Mm-hmm. They're so well filmed and choreographed, but they're very yep. short and they're just peppered in to the story sp- sporadically, periodically. And I think in terms of the way this story is told to us, that's how this was for these people. Like they'd go off to battle and they come back and their life yeah. would continue and they'd go off to battle and they come home and their life would continue. And like, you know, when you're essentially like a, a, a mercenary, your, your job is to be a great warrior. That's what it's like. Right. And yeah. And there's even a great conversation where Matt Damon is just like, 
the, you know, the battle against Scott, the Scots didn't go real well. And he's just yeah. like, yeah, you know, we lost some men. I thought we did a good job, though. And, like, it just felt so routine. Like, here's, right, <laughs> can you just, that, yeah. yeah, can you fill in your recap from the battle and, and have it in my inbox by Monday? Like, it's just, it, in other Ridley Scott movies, um, like, you know, like, the, I, I think that the, his main cut of, uh, Kingdom of Heaven and Gladiator, you know, battle is, and even to some extent, um, Black Hawk Down battle is very romanticized. And I'm not saying like and that's the draw, glorified. Yeah, it's like it's like oh, this is everything. This is this is so important, and 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 your 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 heartstrings are pulled. But in this film, like, not within the scenes themselves, but with the perspective of the rest of the movie, it feels more like you just said, like a job, like, and it was to these people, like they just. Mm-hmm. That's what they did is they would get, get, go off and kill a bunch of people with a sword and then come home and, you know, sit in a tub. Loyal, loyal listeners will remember our, our Gladiator podcast. And, you know, we reminisced on watching that movie in high school. And really, we just wanted to fast forward to all the battle scenes. Right. Because that was what was cool. That was the draw of that movie. I don't think that's the case here. I think that's what makes this movie very different than that is that. You know, those are just all, those are more about character development than driving the story forward. Those are just going to show you their job, show you what they do, show you that Matt Damon is a good fighter, right? Like you learn that. Yeah. That's what those things are important for. Um, I think it's also nice. Yeah. You, you, there's that, that scene in Scotland where um, I know, again, another very, very short, but very memorable scene where uh, the Scots, run away and the the french keep keep fighting you know like it's a cool shot and it's it's almost like self-referential because of course ridley was the first guy to use the flaming arrows so effectively in that first scene in in gladiator and they just like appear through the forest really cool shot Mm -hmm. um but it's 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 a loss essentially and you it's left alone you see him come home and then in the next telling of the story uh, you see how disrespectful Ben Affleck is to his successes or his, his failure. And you see the differences between these people. Like, like this guy has all this honor. And like you said, like they don't care. He's a bummer yeah. to be around. Yeah. Dude, let us have our party. <laughs> yeah. I look, I, I don't even know if it, I mean, I think Ben Affleck is good in this movie, but like, man, his character was a blast. Like this guy yeah. just yeah, like yeah, yeah. does not care about his job like (laughs) whatever it is he's like a count or something and it's similar with like the king like he he's he's very young and he takes his job seriously like he knows what he's supposed to do but like especially in like the last duel in the movie he's like smiling and like kind of borderline giggling like He just, these guys, the royalty in this movie is just on another level. Like, they're just like, okay, like, Matt Damon, Adam Driver, go fight your battle. Tell me how it goes. I don't care. I, I've got, like, five whores behind me that I'm more interested in. And yes. I just think that, like, that tonal, like, shift, I don't even know if it's a tonal shift as much as it's just, like, a recognition of, like, the differences in these characters is really smart and really fun and, and adds some levity to the movie for sure. Um, let's talk about Jodie Comer, um, because I think there's a lot to discuss there, not just her performance, but her character. Um, obviously the third chapter is her perspective and the movie gets a little heavier in that 
chapter. Yeah, we ha- we get a little bit of um, insight into the idea, maybe the themes in this movie of women's empowerment. You know, like the role of women back then. Um, and I think there's some relevant themes here discussed, just in terms of like you know this woman was raped, and even. In certain perspectives, Matt Damon, her husband doesn't believe her. Obviously, he believes her right away in his own perspective. Right. But doesn't necessarily believe her in Adam Driver's and definitely doesn't believe her in her own to the point where he's choking her and demanding that it's the truth. And, you know, they admit that, you know, if, you know, if Matt Damon loses this this duel before God to claim, you know, Adam Driver's guilt... If he loses, she also dies, and, like, she just has no power, and she admits that. And I just think it was a, a real—even if it was a little ham-fisted into the movie, I I, I thought it was a, kind of an important weight added to this movie because as much as I liked it, you could argue this movie's this movie is a little thin in terms of its plot. I don't know if I agree with that. You don't think so? I mean, it's really, it's really simple. Yeah, I it's, guess. Which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but like, I don't think it's simple. I mean, it's easy to understand, which is important. Right, but I just my my thought process on it being thin is that like you aren't you aren't given. I guess it's not entirely true. I was going to say you aren't given huge backstories on like where these characters come from and stuff, but you it is there. I just felt like there was, there was a, it was a very basic story being told. I guess thin's not fair. It's a very basic story. So adding that extra element, that extra theme in the Mar- uh, Marguerite chapter, you know, about the role of women, I thought was important. Oh, yeah. Yeah, totally. I, mean, I think it's her story, it, I think. I just think... It's a double-edged sword because while I think it was important, I also think it was a little ham-fisted in because there's not that the presence of that is not there in the in the first two chapters, and maybe that's intentional because Matt Damon and Adam Driver don't care about what women think. Maybe. I mean, what do you? I, th- th- I think you're. I think you're well, okay. I think you're awaiting her perspective, right? And the movie makes a point to tell you it's the truth. You know, her, her, like, it's a pretty clear message to believe women or whatever. Um, Wait, why do you think that that one is the the truth? um, Because they fade out that title card and the truth is lingers. Did you notice that? Oh, I didn't notice that. Hmm. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Maybe you should watch these movies a little more carefully. Look, I just say I'm really late to watch this movie. I know. I, uh, 11 o'clock, Lee. Jeez. Yeah, 11 o'clock Eastern. You and I were out till 4 o'clock when you visited. Yeah, that... I Seriously, I have no idea how that happened. <laughs> no idea, me either. Um, so I think you're... I mean, again, like me, not someone who's known for being in tune with a stru- the structure of a film or, or, or particularly good at guessing where things are going... I was very, like, I felt very connected to how the film was unraveling from a structure perspective. And I was, you know, you're waiting for her mm-hmm. point of view. And and I think, like, it's smart that that's the last one. And you're, you can kind of 
I think the one sort of knock against it is you can kind of predict where it's going to go a little bit. Like, you know, Matt Damon is not going to be as kind and generous as he was. Right. And well, um, but like the subtle differences between the, the, the rape from driver's perspective and the rape from her perspective, you know, I think very, um, very subtle. Well, yeah. I, I guess they are very different. The, the perspectives, you don't see the rate in Matt Damon's perspective. Of course, he wasn't there. And it's much more violent and intense from Jodie Comer's perspective than it is from Adam Driver's. But even in Adam Driver's, it's still pretty clearly a rape. Yeah. Which I thought was kind of interesting. And, like, it kind of shows you, like, Driver's character's delusions. Like... Right. And and I again I think that's like a, a point that this movie's making. Like some of the lines of dialogue that he says that like, you know, I, I don't tell your husband he'll kill you. Like, and he's like talking like you know we we couldn't help ourselves. Like he believes that they both wanted this, and like it was very clear from what we saw on screen, even in his perspective, that she didn't. So it it makes another interesting point about just you know that that action, you know, and men's perspectives and women's perspectives. But I don't know. I was so engrossed in each of these chapters. Well, I shouldn't say the first one, but the second one that I wasn't like anxiously awaiting the third, the way you were. I was, you know, when it came around, I was equally as engrossed in that, but the credit to the movie for just like sucking me in. Yeah, absolutely. Um. So we the of course this movie is called the Last Duel, and we arrive at the Last Duel, and I, this is not really spoiling. I don't think there's a lot of spoilers really in this movie. I mean, we can wait. We 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 can avoid saying what happens in the Last Duel, but um, you know, this is the biggest action sequence of the movie. It, it sort of opens on it on the first right, know, the beginning of it, yeah, the, the beginning of it, and then we finally arrive to the end. <laughs> Um, we, we know the stakes for everybody involved and, you know, I think honestly, like it was a relative to me, it was a relatively underwhelming battle sequence. Oh, really? I thought it relatively was underwhelming fight. Really? I, I, I it. thought it was well done. I mean, it was exciting, but like, you know, what was interesting is I, I wonder if this is what was missing is like, I'm used to these sequences having like big music. And, like, just a lot of external forces making it exciting. That was pretty absent here. There wasn't really a not- noticeable score in this movie. I wonder if that was sort of... I love that. I love that about it, actually. I think, like, it drove me nuts. In, in Like, there is so much score in Gladiator. It's like... Oh, I know. But it's like, so good, though. There are good moments of it, but there are moments when it's just, like... It just... It, it's just too much. It's over everything. I like hmm. the absence of it here, hmm. and I think this. Ba- I think that I. This was my favorite. I think this is my favorite battle scene. Let's just leave Black Hawk down out of everything that really yeah. Scott has done. I thought this was great. It's in, It's like exactly. It's it's intense. It's loud. It's big, but it's personal. You know, like it's yeah, really just these two guys, it, yeah. and and that's what I kind of like lost in, uh, you know, these big battle sequences and Braveheart as well. But gladiator more specifically is like, you just kind of lose your characters and you, you start stop caring. And like, how, how much can you watch these guys just like run into each other? 
Right. Um, I didn't feel that about this any of the battle sequences in this movie because there he's he's telling a story, and it's interesting. You should go back and watch the documentary attached to this movie. Ridley Scott is just like he's like what is the battle sequence telling our story he like he's letting the story tell the battle se- the, the, the story drive the battle sequence which I think is a great lesson learned from Gladiator it's um, a maturity and the guy's like how old is Ridley Scott like 80 83 <laughs> 83 and he's still learning what, and have, like, you, what have you and I done during the pandemic because Ridley Scott has made two movies yeah um, we've we've podcasted about a lot we made, we released 26 podcasts well last year how did we do in 2020 we released a lot more than we did this year but yeah so i don't really care i don't really i'm not really interested in what ridley scott has been up to I think, um I think just because you feel bad uh yeah fuck yeah look this was this was a really impressive movie i i'm not sure why um this is falling under the radar. Like, cause 20 years ago, this is a like best picture front runner. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. Um, I mean, I think it certainly is going, it's going to have fixie considerations in perhaps multiple categories for sure. I also think, um, I don't know. And it didn't do well at the box. I was like, it really bombed. I mean, but it's I'm, the box office is tough to exactly. I'm not taking anything. Out. I'm not letting the, the box office say anything. Um, about 2020 or 2021. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. This was not marketed as well as House of Gucci, which is interesting. No, not at um, all. Obviously, they I both, they both just... star Adam Driver. I liked Adam Driver exponentially more in this movie than I did in House of Gucci. I thought he was excellent. I mean, I think he was great. I thought he was good in both, but I think he's excellent in this movie. He this So this movie, what you said about him and House of Gucci were saying he's proving that he's a force to be reckoned with. That's what I got in this movie. Because oh, I mean, you I see agree. him playing I mean, he's just better, like a, much another style of acting that he just like so effortlessly pulls off. Yeah, like, I mean he's he's a he's at the beginning he's very noble and you know loyal and smart and the loyalty and nobility kind of falls away, but it's still present in his character. And you know once you throw some women in there, you see kind of how yeah nasty he gets. And uh, you you realize there's a little bit more behind his, you know his, what's ha- what what has happened around his character and what he's done than than you initially understood, and he plays that so well, like the complexities of doing that, and it all feels grounded in in a in a, a cohesive performance. Like it'd be very and easy he- to be like, oh, I you know from this perspective I'm the bad guy, and from this perspective I'm the good guy, and you know. And he has this arrogance that's not exaggerated, right? It's the arrogance that, like, is sort of a draw. Uh, ben Affleck is sort of drawn to and likes him. And, you know, he's a little bit easier going. But, like, nothing is obvious. Nothing is over the top. And, you know, as much as I liked, I think Damon was good in this movie. And as much as I like Matt Damon, I think arguably he, of the four key characters, four key actors in this movie, he's fourth best. I love Jodie Comer in it. I think Who, she's great. Adam Driver? No, Damon. Oh, Damon. Okay. Because and and my point in bring that up is that while where Adam Driver just seems to do this so effortlessly, like Damon seems like he was like exerting himself to like pull off this performance, which was good, but you just saw the effort there, and you don't see it with Driver, and I thought that was incredible. And Jodie Comer, I thought was fantastic. I don't, I've never, I don't know that I've seen her in anything before, to be honest. Um, 
I know she she was in I, Free Guy, which is Jeremy's favorite movie of the year. Right. Um, big fix of consideration there. I, I, I really like Damon here. I know what you mean, though. I mean, I think Damon is, like, sometimes just too smart to play a character like this. Hmm. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, he kind of looks like this character would look. You know, he's got the right, like, he, like he, this this guy is angry and kind of mm-hmm. maybe not very smart and um, has these sort of, you know, he he's 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 not witty. You know, he he, he can't uh, outwit anybody. And I don't know that Damon like discovers that, but I thought he was great in this. Uh, you know, I think. But yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe he's the fourth best out of the. F- so Eva, maybe this will go nowhere. But obviously, I brought up the you know the idea though of or the theme in this movie of you know, the the power of women or the lack of power of women, especially in this time period, and maybe how that could still be relevant. Um, I saw some... I, I think this movie is topical. Um, yeah. In terms of its characters. Like, you know, Matt Damon is, is ultimately petty. You know, he sues the count and the king because he doesn't get the land that he wants. And, like, you know, he... he, he feels self-righteous over something that he's owed and you know, acts bigger than he is. And I, I just feel like there's there's these characterizations and these personalities that we are are seeing very much as a result of, you know, all the social media we are exposed to and things that are posted online of the way people behave, uh, you know, in the last four or five years. But I, I, th- I find that to be uh, an extra, you know, notch in this movie's cap, that it not only is well-made, well-written, you know, entertaining period piece. It also has themes that resonate in a topical fashion. And that's not its primary goal, which I like that we don't have to like, quote unquote, suffer through this movie that's trying to make a point about the world we're living in today, but it's there and it adds a layer to the movie. No, yeah, I completely agree. It's hard. Smart. Yeah. It's hard to like, take yourself and 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 find elements of your own life in a movie like this but i did you know i found i did find some 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 things to relate to in here and that that's not always common for me in in you know medieval movies about about nobility you know yeah which is again a credit a credit to the script you know there was when when this movie was announced probably two and a half years ago um I think this was in t- originally intended to be a 2020 release. Is that right? Yes. Um, well, but there I mean, was a lot they of... started making it at the beginning, maybe. I think it was supposed to be like a January 2021 release, which you know would have been a 2020 awards contender. But anyway, that's beside the point. But a, a lot of the excitement was the fact that Ben Affleck and Matt Damon were writing a screenplay together again. This is the first time they've done that since Goodwill Hunting which, of course, they won an Oscar for. And I remember thinking, and I'm sure a lot of people were thinking, like, okay, well, it's been, you know, 25 years nearly since that script. And, you know, these guys have gone on to have, you know, very successful careers in in one regard or the other. Obviously, Affleck has been up and down, has directed some. Damon's had a, a pretty prolific career acting. And... They get together again to write a screenplay for a period piece, you know, yeah. a sword and sandal piece that Ridley Scott's going to direct. And it just didn't feel like to me that we were going to get, you know, 
the the magic that we got in Goodwill Hunting. But I got to be honest, like this is this is an amazing screenplay, and they you know kind of did do it again, and they took something that could have you know in in somebody else's hands. I don't know what the book is like. This is based on a book. Um, I don't know how that's structured. I imagine it's you know from the same pers- from the multiple perspective as as well, but. Um, they took something that in, in lesser hands could have been, you know, pretty, pretty routine and, and made it pretty extraordinary. It looks like Affleck was originally going to play the driver role. Maybe. I think I remember hearing something about that, but I don't remember for sure. I think it's, I think the casting was smart. Um, definitely the, uh, Affleck is is perfect in that in that role. Like, doesn't you know? Look, if we're gonna be honest, like he's the least talented actor among the four of <laughs> yeah, them, absolutely. right? But so he's but he's not given a ton to do. But he also like you're not it like almost the distraction of that character as being Ben Affleck almost works in its favor because you're like, what Ben Affleck is this guy? He doesn't look like he's got this like weird blonde hair with this weird blonde like goatee. And he's just kind of goofing off. Well, I, you know, that's the thing is he's not even goofing off. He's just like, is taking nothing seriously, does not care, like really does not like Matt Damon's character and like professionally has to listen to him, but like just wants the conversation over with. And that all works. And I think, so I think the casting was smart um, in terms of putting him in that role, you know, and Damon and Driver in kind of the lead roles. That That worked really, really nicely. Um, I don't know what else to say. I mean, we're 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 gonna end up going around in circles and and kind of circle jerking this movie. I think we both loved it. Jeremy's got to see it. Um, I think there's some fixie contenders here. Um, and surprisingly, this is the better of the two Ridley Scott movies released this year, which I wasn't expecting. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So short pod that can happen with the two of us, forty one minutes. Efficient, efficient, efficient pod. Um, unlike this movie, it's not exactly efficient. No, no. <laughs> two hours and thirty two minutes, but, but definitely less meandering than House of Gucci. I would say. Agreed. Uh, I I think while long and I I don't feel like this movie drags at all. Honestly, if it drags at all, it's in that first chapter, and. Uh, once once you, this movie finds its groove, it, it moves quickly. Like I said, I was up late last night. I could have very easily finished watching this this morning, but I had I had no intention of doing so. I was fully hooked. I wanted to finish watching it. Um, that will do it for this amazing episode of the Get Your Film Fix podcast. Uh, we expect to be back very soon with our review of uh, The Power of the Dog, and hopefully Jeremy will be joining us for that one. That's available on Netflix and is a big-time awards contender. We'll see if it will be the same for the Fixies, which are coming up in less than 90 days. Um, If you want to email us, feedback at getyourfilmfixpodcast.com, feedback at gyffpodcast.com. We'd love to get some voice memos on your favorites of the year, uh, thoughts on some of our discussions. We like to play those things on the pod and also on the Fixie show itself. So... Get in touch with us, or you're not going to hear your voice in the pod. Right? I mean, it's that simple. Yeah, yeah. I was talking with some friends yesterday who wanted to do that, and they were worried that they needed to like be on the act. You can 
We'd like to hear from you. You can tell us what we got wrong, and we'll take a segment, or perhaps an entire episode, and we've address. Done that before, yeah. Go back. We love going back and talking more about things we've done wrong. So, love mm-hmm. to have your opinions, feedback. Especially and get since your it happens so infrequently. All right. Thank you. I'm staying. I'm finishing my coffee. Enjoying my coffee.